The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. You can think of us as the Hecticon and Hecatontagon of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and thrilled to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I'm one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure for the 100th time, the guy who easily has 100 sides to his personality, Josh, how are you doing this evening? I was so glad that you put in the definition of hecticon, tagon, or whatever the heck that is, because I was like, what? what is this sorcery that's at the beginning of this? <laughs> I was trying really hard to come up with cool ways to commemorate our 100th episode, and there aren't that many. I mean, there are cool things to associate with the 100, but really hard when you're trying to pair it into a duo and all these other things, so... Hectagon and Hecatontagon, which is a really hard word to say, were what I came up with as 100-sided objects, which apparently a hectagon is very different than a hectagon, which who knew? Who knows? I don't understand how this all works. But 100 sides those objects have. Wait, so a, a hectagon is different than a hectagon. Correct. <laughs> it's funny because I, che- I changed your spelling because I thought you misspelled it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering, that's what I was looking at. I was like, I don't know that that's okay, but that's why we'll go with it. So, yeah, there we go. So, yeah. episodes, Josh. How do you feel about it? I feel great. It feels awesome. I'm celebrating with this giant heaping glass of cucumber sake. Uh, so is that really what that is? We'll see how I do by the end of the episode. <laughs> I have a giant heaping glass of iced tea. Me- Just regular old iced tea. Well, see, here's the thing. I tricked my wife. Which is most like how a... most of my stories start. I just don't always say that part. Um, we were she's been craving sushi for a while, and we don't. Are you trying to tell us something else, Josh? No, 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 no. Okay, <laughs> talking about cravings. No, I, no. I just didn't know. And we don't often go. We don't often go out to like you know the nice like hibachi places. So we we're driving. There's this big place called Total Wine um, and Liquors, which is relatively new to our area but it has like the largest section of like craft beers and mm-hmm. wines from all over and she's always wanted to go and we were driving home from a long day out shopping and i said hey we should stop in you haven't been in there me in my head i just like, i need more beer and this would be a perfect example <laughs> to get some then we stumbled upon the sake she mentioned she wanted to try the cucumber one so the next day when i went out to get lunch i made a little detour Brought home a bottle, and it was too acidic for her, so I get the whole bottle for me. <laughs> How is the cucumber sake? It's, then? it's very good. I'm a I'm a big fan of sake in general, of different mm-hmm. styles like the milk sakes and the different flavors. But um, uh, this one is refreshing. I will say, might not come as a surprise. Sake, not a happening thing to be able to get in the middle of Iowa. 
Well, I mean, <laughs> I guess that's that's a little surprising. You get the, you you might have to seek it out, I guess. But um, yeah, I mean, you can get it. There's just not a huge selection or variety of available sakes easily. Yeah, I was surprised that with the selection in this store and the price, they were very well priced. Um, Taiku T Y K U. If you want sake, I recommend it. Um, nice presentation and tastes very good, and it's it's affordable. Oh, excellent! Uh, also, probably not surprising. Good sushi restaurants also not plentiful. <laughs> there are some. There are some very good sushi restaurants actually sure. in Iowa, but overall, not a plentiful number of great sushi restaurants, which is a bummer because I am someone who really likes good sushi. Well, we have some good ones here, but you know the best ones are in Boston, so. 40, you know, 40 minute drive is a bit much for good sushi. Oh, I don't know about that. 40 minute drive seems <laughs> totally reasonable for good sushi. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe one day, Josh, when we actually meet in person, maybe we'll have sushi together. It sounds good to me. If you just come <laughs> to Philly, uh, there's there's ramen bars and it's in Gosh, I love like, ramen. And sushi bars. And and su- oh, man. It's in Chinatown there. Like, I know sushi is Japanese, but they have Japanese um, there, too. Hmm. Maybe I'll have to see when... Is when's PAX unplugged again? Uh, this year it's in December. First week. We'll have to, we'll have to see. Maybe I can make it happen. <laughs> I doubt it, but maybe. Who knows? <laughs> I was I was having the conversation with the partner tonight uh, about the number of vacation days I have at work that I need to use. And she was like, you really should take more vacation days. So maybe I'll just say I'm taking vacation days to go to Philly. Don't threaten me with a good time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dear listener. Well, we will get back on track and please indulge our little celebrations here for our 100th episode because we're pretty stoked about it. I don't know when we started this close to two years ago if we necessarily knew we'd get to episode 100, but I'm pretty glad that we've gotten here. So thanks so much for joining us this week. As always, uh, Metafall predictions are in. So thank you to everyone who submitted your Metafall predictions. This was the biggest turnout we've had for any of these contests thus far. So really thrilled to see the number of people who participated. And as is tradition, about halfway through the fall or about halfway through when the games have been released that are on the list, we will kind of do an update as to where things are sitting. Uh, The first game on the list, Gears 5, uh, reviews should be dropping tomorrow morning from when we're recording this. So we will start getting some, our initial, our initial, initial, wow, I'm struggling tonight, Metafall data very soon. As always, though, thanks so so much for joining us this week, everyone. As always, if you have any feedback, questions, suggested topics, hit us up at Board with VG on Twitter or check out all the awesome stuff over on the Instagram, also Board with VG. We are a proud part of Play Some Video Games and PSVG is on Patreon. We are absolutely thrilled with the support you have given us there thus far. And if you'd like to monetarily support what we do, you can find us there at patreon.com slash PSVG. But the most important thing is just that you listen and maybe share what we do with someone else who may enjoy it. And we are also a member of the Dice Tower Podcast Network. So if you enjoy our conversations about board games and would like to dive deeper into that world, we encourage you to check out the Dice Tower Podcast as well as the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy, there's a podcast on the network that is right for you. So enough of the housekeeping for the most part, even though this is episode 100. We're going to have a pretty standard episode. So with that, Josh, what have you been playing on your tabletop, sir? Well, so I think I hinted at both. I hinted and or talked about both of these games last week um, on the podcast, but I don't think, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think I went into too much detail on these games because we kind of just kind of quickly went through them. 
Right. So um, I played, uh, well, I guess we'll start, I'm going to start with Ringmaster. So Ringmaster is a $10 game by Ultra Pro and Stoneblade, uh, designed by Justin Gary, who created Ascension. Uh, it is, well, it's a very small four player, up to four player. We play two players. Um, deck building game where you're playing these uh, large size, maybe like tarot size cards um, against each other. You have a deck of 10 cards. Uh, and then there, uh, you draw five to start, just like a basic, you know, deck building game. Um, and you play one card per turn and you draw one card per turn, uh, unless cards say otherwise. Uh, you have, there are event cards. There are, it has a take that element. Um, uh, and, and it's been two weeks since I played it. So you have to forgive me. I don't remember the name of the take that card, but it has a specific name. Um, I think it's, oh, it's a sideshow card. So sideshow is like to take that card. You have events. Um, and then you have, uh, I'm sorry, I'm blanking. You have like, it's like people cards, but it's like, like ringmaster would be one of the people, uh, like strongman. So you have those cards as well. What you're doing is simply playing the cards and reading the text. And that's how you know how you win the game. There are cards that tell you what your win conditions are. So like a card might say, it might be like a three ring circus and it's considered an event. And it says, have three events in front of you or have three three ring circuses in front of you or have five events in front of you. Some cards may say this card counts as five, two events. A sideshow might say uh, you play it in front of uh, another player. So it might say like, uh, discard a card every at the start of every turn or discard an event at the start of every turn ouch that seems powerful yeah and then some of the people cards might be like um play p- draw two cards instead of one or play two cards instead of one and it's and some cards let you get rid of cards some cards uh change like uh events into sideshows so for then this card that says if you have three sideshows in front of you, you win the game. So it's this mm. constant give and take battle of who can who can win first. Um I I don't want to say handily, but I handily beat my wife the two games we played. But that's okay because that just led right into Harry Potter Hogwarts battle, defense against the dark arts, in which I so- Go ahead. <laughs> so before we yeah. get into that, mostly because I want to make you say the title at least one more time. <laughs> um, for Ringmaster, so you said you play cards in front of you that kind of give you win conditions. Yeah. Is this something that is changing then throughout the game? Or once you play one, that is just your ring condition for that game and none of the other ones matter? Kind of how does that work? So the cards that have like win conditions are also events or sideshows themselves. So yeah, it's always changing like... Your opponent can make you discard that card you played, or they can take it for their own, um, or they can potentially make you pass it. There's some cards we have to take out um, because it was two instead of four player. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are cards we didn't uh, run into, and there's probably cards in the two games we played uh, that we never played, period, just because of good shuffling. Right. Um, so there are cards we didn't experience, but yeah, uh, your win conditions can 
constantly change. So have you played Red 7? Uh, I haven't played Red 7. I know um, we've talked about it before, but I've never played it. Gotcha. I'm, I, I, I'm getting a Red 7 vibe from this game, and I like Red 7. So I might maybe have to check out Rigmaster then. Yeah, I mean, 10 bucks. the art's great, uh, and it even comes with a little like velvet bag, so you don't even have to carry it. Even Even though it's a small box, everything fits in the velvet bag because there's no dice. It's the rule book is the size of the bag, like everything you can fit, you know, be great for a convention. Right, right, right. What's their other game? That's the cat, the t- cat tin. Do you know what I'm talking about? I probably sound ridiculous right now. The cat tin. Uh, it's it's Stoneblade? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's them. Oh, okay, oh I'm gonna look uh, this up. is it Cobra Paw? That might be. I'm going to look it up while you talk about your next game. Okay. Because that's the, I just think it's really interesting that Stoneblade is ascension like so much ascension and then they have this little cat this game with a cat on the front of it and it just it's a tin shaped like a cat and i cannot for the life of me remember the name of the game but that's what i always think is funny when i'm thinking about stoneblade that i think of this cat game that they have uh and i always want to get it because it looks cute but that it's a tin like a cat and i don't know what it is uh... kitten, dude. you gotta be kitting me that's what it is you gotta be kitting me that's what it's called Yes. Yeah, you gotta be kidding me. Deluxe edition for the tin. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Like it's, yeah, I think you should add that since you have, you know, you're a fan of Ascension, you're a fan of Shards of Infinity, and Ringmaster now it sounds like, I feel like you have to complete the set that, and get you gotta be kidding me. That won't be a hard sell for my wife. I'm sh- <laughs> sure she already wants Cat Cafe, that Roll and Write game that just came out, yeah. so uh, yeah, sure, we'll get that too. Alright, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to derail you. Continue on. No, sir. that's okay. Usually I pause after talking about a game. You know, you'd think after 100 episodes I would get a good cadence going, but I like to keep people guessing, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, Harry Potter, Hogwarts Battle, Defense Against the Dark Arts. I mentioned this before. My wife kicked my butt. She wiped me across the floor. She even felt bad. She pitied me. It was terrible. However, this game is very good. Um, just like Ascension, it is a deck builder game. And when I say just like Ascension, it has a lot of similarities. So if you're familiar with deck building in general, and I started with Ascension, which is why I typically use that as the example, uh, you are building a deck. Uh, if you've played Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle, you're already familiar with this method of building your deck because it's the same way when you buy cards from the spell deck um, you are doing the same thing you're buying cards from the spell deck with what you would consider recruit points in deck building games and you can get allies and or spell cards uh, or items Um, and the way this works is you start the game with 10 cards you draw 5 typical deck builder you have a long board in the middle of the table it's the training arena if for lack of the words i'm forgetting um and you pick your house you can pick the same house uh if you want to uh there are four double-sided cards so you can flip them or five how many houses five there's four four okay so they're four double-sided so if if you want to both be hufflepuff you can be because the other side of other cards aren't always the same um, so yeah, my wife was Ravenclaw. I was Hufflepuff. 
and you take your pawn, you put it on the board, the starting space, and essentially you attack each other. That's the game. Uh, the first, like, I would say four to five rounds are very slow because you're really building your decks and depending on, you, you start with an ally. So you can start with one of four allies and they all offer different uh, perks. And I picked uh, the Toad. And you can use an ally once per turn. And the Toad gave me one health um, when I used it. So I would always be recovering a health. And when you start the game, you only have one attack card in your deck, I believe. Which is the Lightning Bolt symbol from the Harry Potter Hogwarts battle. Uh, so you should be familiar with that logo. Um, and as you do this, you're building your deck. You can discard cards, so you can get rid of those starting cards if you want. I will say, my wife didn't discard any of her starting cards, and I discarded most of mine, and it didn't seem to matter. Uh, there was a That's not the way that's <laughs> supposed to work! Yeah, it's not supposed to work that way. Um, I don't know. So she just kind of got lucky. So he here's how this works. You pick your house. Uh, there are cards in the game that give perks to houses. So you might get a card, a spell. Let's call it like uh, Flipendo gives you, say, um, draw two cards. But on the bottom of it, there might be a logo, a crest of a different house. And then it might say like, um, uh, gain two attack. So as long as you have, if as long as your character or an ally that you have recruited has that logo, you also get that part of the card. You don't get one or the other, you get both. Mm. So, when you're recruiting allies, my wife didn't even realize what she was doing. She didn't get it. She was just recruiting allies because, like, I saw Hermione. And I was like, I'm going to get Hermione. Hermione's my girl. And she's like, I got her because I can afford her. So, the best thing for you to do is get someone from each house in your allies. Interesting. So, they're representing bonuses to these cards that you get. Um, you want to, you can deal damage to your opponent's allies to get them out, which is what you want to do. Um, but essentially you're attacking your opponent and once you push them out of the training arena, you gain one of those cool little metal skulls that represent mm -hmm. the bad guys in the regular game. Yeah. And you put it on the card. If you lost, you put it on your card and you have three spaces for skulls. Your third knockout, you lose. Gotcha. And it goes from there. And you just build. We didn't touch a tenth of the cards in the deck. There are so many cards. Uh, what's cool is when you uh, recruit a card from the um, the recruit area, it is immediately replaced, which is nice. Um, because you might have six recruit and buy someone for four and there might not be a two available. I know there's a lot of deck building games that they don't refill the spaces until after the turn is over. Mm -hmm. This one gets refilled right away. So you do have more uh, opportunity to uh, recruit. And there's also like a generic spell book you can purchase for three recruit that's always available, which gives you, I believe it's draw two cards when you play it. Mm. Um, drawing cards is always good. Drawing cards is great. Uh, it's a really fun game. Uh, I don't care particularly that I got destroyed because i had a fun time playing it and i i look forward to playing it much more and it's a great price i think it's under 30 bucks 
So was your toad a random toad or was it Trevor? <laughs> uh, I don't recall it having a name, but it might have been Trevor. Okay. I can check. That, I'm pretty sure that's Neville's toad. I think Neville's toad is named Trevor, but I don't remember for certain, but I think that's true. Well, I mean, it's right here. I might as well check for you because what what would we be giving reviews of games without uh, <laughs> giving you the names of a toad? <laughs> that's true. Uh, so I have this game. This was the game I was hoping to get played before tonight. It just didn't quite happen because of what I'll talk about when I get to my games. But if you had to pick, obviously they're different. If you had to pick between Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle or Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle Defense Against the Dark Arts, <laughs> if you had to pick between the two, do you have a preference? Which do you like better? Well, they're two honestly totally different games. I know that there's similarities. It's just called Toad, by the way. Owl, Toad, okay. Cat. They gotcha. genericize them. Uh, genericize them. I keep making up words on this podcast. <laughs> Which makes sense, though, because if you're not Neville, how could you have Trevor? I get it. Exactly. Okay. Uh, they're very different uh, because you get a, you get different experiences. I think longevity-wise, <clears throat> Defense Against the Dark Arts uh, holds more replayability because... Mm-hmm. Because, you know, Hogwarts Battle was designed as uh, on a legacy game without ha- being called a legacy game. Uh, right. I know you can just kind of shuffle the, ha- the houses back in and play them again. But I feel like that loses a little bit of the charm of it. Mm-hmm. But I think they're... I think I think you should play Hogwarts Battle before you play Defense Against Dark Arts. I can see that. I think that was always one of my biggest problems with Hogwarts Battle was that obviously your character cards, spoiler, I guess, the character cards that you have kind of get better as the games go on. Yeah. But your starting deck is always the same. Yep. And I'm and I'm like, you're eight years into school <laughs> and you have the same starting deck or seven years into school and you have the same starting deck as you did year one. That doesn't seem to make any sense to me. I get your character card improves a little bit, but I always thought that it would be cool if the decks changed and got better. Uh, as you went, because especially some of those later battles get really challenging. Yeah, later battles. Later I, I'm having trouble with the early battles. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I don't know. I I enjoy both. I enjoy Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle, but and I'm really looking forward to playing Defense Against the Dark Arts. Uh, it is, the rules were learned. The game was out on the table. Just never quite got to it. Any other board games you'd like to talk about here, sir? No. <clears throat> when I saw this, I completely forgot what you were doing. We played, and I was like, oh, no, I haven't played anything. And then I realized I did. It was just a while ago. (laughs) Gotcha. Uh, So kind of as has been talked about, I'm continuing my lessons with Go. Uh, I took dear friend of the show and guest William's advice and looked up Go strategy books. Here's what I learned, Josh. Maybe unsurprisingly, most Go strategy books are written in Chinese or Korean. (laughs) <clears throat> not super helpful so then i did find some though that are in english that i can read um and they kind of started pretty much right over my head right away so still working on it still playing go pretty much every day not for very long just a match or two 20 minutes or so i'm getting a little bit better starting to grok it a little bit more but still not fully there with my knowledge of go i think this is going to be a, a long-term thing that I'm going to be playing for quite a long time. So I probably won't talk about it much more going forward until I get some breakthrough. Uh, but I did want to just share that I'm still playing Go, and that's still kind of 
up there for me. So, as I mentioned, Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle Defense Against the Dark Arts was the game I was planning to play for this beat, and I had it all set up, ready to go, when the partner was like, hey, do you want to play a game of Villainous quick before we do this? And I was like, okay, we haven't played Villainous in a while. We can do that. That's fine. Josh, here's my question for you. <laughs> what is the longest game of Villainous you've ever played? Well, when you the second you said, let's play a game of Villainous quick, I was like, that's not going to happen. Uh, I... The the quickest, uh, actually, I think the quickest might be the same uh, lineup that you have listed. Um, okay. Um, I think we probably played a game of Villainous in 40 minutes. That might be the quickest we've played. What's the longest game of Villainous you've Ooh, ever played? We, played a, we probably, probably played a two-hour game of Villainous because we were teaching new people. Okay. My parents. But <laughs> when you, it's just been the two of you or that everyone has known how to play what do you think the longest game you've played is maybe uh, maybe an hour and 20 minutes i think might be the longest we played josh this game of villainous took probably it might have even been longer than two and a half hours well so here's what i'll say <laughs> there had to have been a point if you're playing this this game where if it, it was that if it was that long, where mm-hmm. one of you or both of you didn't want to play anymore, thought it was going way too long, and then it just kept going because then you start focusing on how long the game is instead of and this is just a guess because I've been in, in situations like this. Uh, instead of focusing on having fun and playing the game, it becomes more of a gauntlet, if you will. <laughs> I will say I did have fun the entire time, and I'm pretty sure the partner did too. I mean, she ended up winning. She was playing Maleficent, and I was playing King John. But it was one of those games that, uh, if you're not familiar, listener, in the game that each of the characters has their win conditions. In King John's, he has to have 20 power, uh, and Maleficent has to have curses on each of the locations in her realm. And the game started off, I was playing King John horribly for me. He's a hard player, though. He's a hard character to play. Yeah, he's a very hard character to play. And it started off really, really poorly. And for probably an hour close to, maybe more, she would have three curses out. Or four curses out, but she has to get to the start of her turn. And I would just be able to get rid of one. Get rid of one. And that's all I was doing. Every turn was, I need to get rid of, you know, this curse or that curse. I'm going to move here. None of it was focused on me actually trying to win the game. It was 100% focused on me not trying not to lose. Because that's all I did for about an hour plus was try not to lose. Which I did. So, so that was great. But even just the cards I was drawing, I was going on the spot so I could discard four cards on my at my turn because nothing was good. She got Robin Hood out right away. So I was making like no money off of anything. So I couldn't even play anything anyway. It was rough and it just started uh it it was just very and i was like i'm not gonna give up i'm gonna try really hard so i was fighting through fighting through finally got to a point where i stabilized a little bit and could make some progress and then she and then i got not super close to winning i got up to about 13 or 14 gold slash power and then it kind of just became this back and forth of both of us just trying to do whatever we could to prevent the other person from winning because she was way closer than I ever got. I think 14 is the most I ever got. But my goodness, it got to the point where I I didn't want to give up. And I was trying really hard to have fun. But I also was like, okay, well, if I flip these over and neither one of these cards do any good, 
it's not the end of the world. <laughs> like, I kind of got to that point. And eventually that's ended up what had happening, is that she had all four curses out. I was at 14. I went and played, and it was two characters that just didn't matter. Um, so, it, it, but man, I couldn't believe, because we've played the game a number of times. And we've had some longer games, like the hour and a half version. Yeah. But this game just would not end. And after where I was done... It became, well, do you want to go play Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle? I'm like, I'm kind of done. I'm good. Like, I really just don't want to. I thought, you know, we'd play this quick for an hour because that's what it usually takes us. And then we'd move on and play a couple games of Harry Potter. Harry Potter, And it just, it never happened because I was just spent. So I really still like doing this. I think it's a great game. But that was the first time I ever had an experience where, you know, if today or tomorrow or the next day she asked if I wanted to play Villainous again, I might say no. I might just need a little break. <laughs> So, yeah, it was it was it was a marathon. It was interesting. It was a challenge, but we got through it. I lost as usual, but still a great game. Villainous is still very good. Uh, it just I had never quite had to get that out of hand before where it was, you know, two plus two and a half plus hours later. And we're still just trying to claw our way to the end. So when we played that game of Everdell with our friends, it was like a three hour game and I felt terrible. I felt guilty i felt like we kept them here it was like 1 a.m they, they were frustrated they were like no we want to finish it i'm like I, was like I felt awful so like i feel i just feel anxiety when i hear people have games that go that long <laughs> that shouldn't go that long right yeah and like i said neither one of us really got mad or upset or frustrated it just it got hard because towards the end i had never really gotten close to winning and she had gotten close to winning so many times so i think she was getting a little frustrated but at the same time if i had just given up she would have been mad you know yeah. so yeah and she got the win in the end so uh yeah but hey <laughs> next week probably or two weeks from now harry potter hogwarts battle i'll get to talk about it and then we'll talk about it together and maybe we'll both have won by then <laughs> yeah i hope so <laughs> All right. So that is everything we've been playing on our tabletop. Josh, what have you been playing on your television, sir? Okay, so I've been playing three games. Two of them you've been playing, so it seems natural for me to start with the one you haven't. Sounds great. <laughs> so let's start with Wreckfest. So um, we have Wreckfest on the PlayStation 4. Wreckfest uh, has been a game I have been interested in for a while. Uh, I first discovered it... Ooh, when I was like watching Digital Foundry videos, um, and and the like, it might not have been them specifically, but someone was going over the PC version of it, like specs and stuff and sound and controls. And I was like, whoa, this game is like the cousin of De of Destruction Derby from PlayStation One, like, mm -hmm. it, and and it looks really cool and. I come to find out it's like the bionic man of D destruction derby it's it's the same game but better it's a billion dollar man sorry these are really old references for younger viewers listeners oh boy um it is incredible how great this game is uh it really captures um if if all it did was capture the destruction derby element of destruction derby i would have been happy it's it's a 40 dollar game now the price point is is awesome but it also really captures great racing the controls are great um for me one of my favorite parts of like the forza horizon series is the um the rally races the dirt races and this nails it 
The controls are perfect. The drifting, everything feels good. And in this game, if you take a corner wide and like you like drift around a corner, there's this like anxiety that hits you the second your car starts to turn and slow down because you could get T-boned at any second by one, two, three, four, fifteen cars. <laughs> and you could just be wrecked. Just like that. I I the first like Still, any race I do now, but like the first two races, like my heart rate was elevated. It was awesome. I could feel the adrenaline in this racing game. The stupid <laughs> video game racing game has my heart rate elevated. It's so much like it's just so good. They did such a great job with this. The controls feel perfect. When you damage your right wheel, you feel that you can't turn right. Or or left sometimes. <laughs> like you can do it, but it's it's like labored. Like you know mm-hmm. it's not easy. When your engine is damaged, you know it. When you try to drive backwards, it doesn't it's not like just driving a car in a racing game backwards where you can still go a hundred miles an hour. Right. Like you can't control it, it swivels, you go thirty miles an hour, you're all over the place because it like feels um sincere. Like it feels like They took the time to make sure you feel like it would be like driving a car in reverse in a destruction derby. Like everything about this game feels great. And then there's these wacky couch (laughs) races. There's... Is there a lawnmower one? There's a lawnmower one. I haven't even gotten to the crazier ones. There's like, I think, semi-truck ones. Um... There's literally a lawnmower one where one of them, you're getting chased by a giant excavator in a figure eight, and it just wants to kill you. (laughs) Um, It's insane. Uh, But there's pretty good customization if you want it. Uh, There's uh, fun customization and design of the car, but there's also like you can tweak um, shocks and all all the stuff that I'm not interested in, just because I'm not Mm -hmm. a gearhead. Um, it's great. Honestly, uh, I, the only reason why I haven't put more time into it is because of the other two games. So real quick, I've heard from other folks who have played that, that this is a sneaky, might be maybe not game of the year contender, but top five game of the year contender for a lot of people. Is that kind of what you're thinking about it? Just because of how much fun it is to play? Yeah. I might like this more than Forza Horizon 4. To be honest with you, I haven't played enough to say that, like, officially, officially. Um, But every moment has been satisfying. Uh, The load times are a little long. Mm -hmm. um, But to be fair to the game, it's like one load time, and then you get through all the menus, like, easy. And then if you have to restart a race, you just restart, like, right away. You don't have to worry about, like, the reload and like a Forza, like if you restart a race, there's a typically a longer load time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, this this is definitely one of the the best racing games I've ever played. Awesome. Well, you know, man, I have it downloaded. Maybe I'll actually play a racing game. I feel like this might be the one for you because it, while it still has racing, mm-hmm. um, there's so much demolition aspect to it destruction aspect to it you can have fun on that level purely the problem is you still need to win a race and 
sometimes if if you're not doing a, a demolition derby and you're doing a race race, you need to be a little bit more mindful of not damaging <laughs> your vehicle early, especially the ones where there's races that are six laps and it might as well be 600 laps because you're just trying to survive. There's some figure right. eights where there's a ramp in the very middle. This was the, the one I can't beat right now, the couch one. And I'll be in first place and I'll go over this ramp and I'll get like in the middle of the air, T-bone from another couch <laughs> and just f- flies you off your couch and you're out. Like you're done. Oh no. So, uh, yeah, it's really fun. Um, I think everyone should try it. I, I already converted a couple of people at work to buy it. So if you are, if you're lucky enough to have a game share buddy, um, give it a shot. And if this game isn't 20, if this game is 20 bucks on black Friday, you have no reason to not buy it. Awesome. Cool. Okay. You want to double team these? How do you want to do this? Yeah, let's go ahead and do that. Why don't you give your impressions first and then I'll just jump in right after and give mine for each one. Okay. Well, let's start with control a game. We've been playing separately, but around the same time. <clears throat> and this kind of has Wreckfest vibes. Control might be one of my favorite games in a in a long time. <laughs> okay, I was wondering where this was going. Yeah. Okay, I, I don't know where sure it's going yet. Because all time, I don't know. Long time. I'm still playing this it. month. Okay, I'm still playing it. Uh, uh, I didn't expect to like this game. Everything they mm-hmm. showed in like the demos leading up to this game was like nothing. And I get it. I get why they did that. Right. This this game could be the Matrix, the video game. Like if they if someone was smart and licensed it, it has a lot of similarities as far as your um, this character who doesn't necessarily want what they're going through. Mm-hmm. They're inheriting or learning or have these powers, and everything else is a freaking mystery. Yeah, and you don't know what's going on, but to also to give this game credit, starting the game, I really thought like they're just being confusing to be confusing, mm-hmm. and I didn't really know where it was going. But the longer I play this game, the more it makes sense that I didn't know what was happening as my character. Right, right. The voice acting is phenomenal. Um, the character animations, they're good. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have like these drop in drop out qualities that you can tell they spent more time on certain characters than others, which is fine. Right. I know that yeah. that happens in games. The level design is awesome. Um, the enemy f- fights are challenging. Uh, the longer I play, the harder the game gets. Have you started upgrading your weapons and things? Finally, yet? yeah. <laughs> okay, nice work. Nice work. Kyle and I had a conversation. Uh, or I said I was playing in hard mode again, channeling my <laughs> Breath of the Wild playthrough where I didn't realize until <laughs> probably like five hours into the game that I could have been upgrading my weapons <laughs> and on my character. So that was embarrassing, but I'm doing better. <laughs> good, good, good. Um, what chapter are you in? I didn't even, I don't even know that there's chapters like to me, like I, I'm not keeping track of the chapter titles was like chapter four. Um, the only reason I know there's quote unquote chapters is because of the trophies. Oh, I haven't even, I get it. I'm getting a lot of trophies, which is nice. Right. Um, I haven't been paying attention to the chapters. Um, I just found out more about the reason why I was there. 
Okay. <clears throat> and then I completed... Uh, okay, so I can say this. I found an injured dude, and then I went back to the motel. Okay. Have you done? We're about at the same place, then. Okay. So I just finished that part, and then I saved it. Um, I don't know. I've been doing side missions, but only as they make sense. I haven't necessarily mm-hmm. been seeking them out. Uh, in, in Control, there's... Um, I'll call them like real time events that pop up, like right. uh, missions that you have to go to a certain part uh, and and um, defeat like high level enemies. I mm-hmm. have only done one of those intentionally. I may have done more uh, incidentally, but the one thing I do find out find about the game is that there's so much to do and so many places to go. That I feel a little overwhelmed trying to um, backtrack to do a like an event like that, like a timed event, because I feel like I'll get right. lost. Um, in fact, there was a part where I saved the game one day because I had to go to work or something, and then I came back to the game the next day, and I didn't know where I was, and I ended up backtracking the wrong way for like a half an hour, not realizing <laughs> if I had just gone through like a door, I would have been right back on track. Right. So I have to like look it up to figure it out. Well, and it's interesting because unlike a lot of modern games, you know, there is a map you can pull up, but the map will just kind of give an indication of what room you need to go to. And but not necessarily how you should go to get there. Yes. So you have to use a lot of the environment clues. There are signs on the wall like you'd expect when you went to a federal building. There are signs on the wall that point, oh, this is this way and this is this way. And then you have to follow the signs and get to the thing. And it's, it's, yeah, I, I think they kind of want you to get lost on purpose a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. When I went to Black Rock Quarry, I was like, yep. I had anxiety. I didn't know where to go. It's so huge. There was so many places to go. <clears throat> yeah. Well, at least so it seemed. I think, I mean, it's designed to like loop you back in. Yeah. Because I definitely, definitely found a couple of those paths. Um, but for me, like that weird completionist where I want to find the hidden things, I typically go right. the other direction where I'm supposed to go, but I ended up yep. getting lost like so often. But yeah, I, I love this game and I'm so glad you got it. So thank you for getting it because <laughs> no I, I might not have played it. Um, right. And I, I really would have missed out on genuinely like, this this is an incredible game that that people should be playing. Yeah, I think we're both in roughly what it would be about chapter six. I think there's about twelve chapters. Okay. Uh, so which I'm that's crazy happy. Yeah, which I'm happy with, but also kind of bummed by because I was really hoping to finish this before Gears came yeah. out, and that's not going to happen <laughs> at this point now. Um, but I agree. I really am having a great time with this game. And part of the reason I'm not done is because I want to look and find <laughs> everything. I. So there is a trophy in the game for getting 120 collectibles. Yeah. And if you figure there's 12 chapters in the game, I already have over 120 collectibles because <laughs> I'm looking for everything. I'm reading, and I almost never do this in games, but I'm reading everything I pick up. I'm trying to figure out all the stuff that I can because kind of like you said, the mystery and and um, Jesse or Jess, the, the character you play as, at the very beginning, like the first thing she says in the game is, this is going to be weird. Yeah. And it is when it starts. It's very weird. And you, it seems almost impossible that they could start to make this thread make some sort of coherent sense. Like 
maybe the things are still unbelievable or fantastical, but you can follow the series events and what exactly happened. But kind of like you said, as you progress through this game, you're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Which, it, you know, which it doesn't quote unquote make sense, but in the context of the game and the game world, you totally understand why that would be that way. Why she is in the place she is doing the things she's doing. Um, and I think just from a level design standpoint and the way the game looks, they do a great job of art direction for this game. Usually when you hear of games with art direction that's really impressive, you think of things like Breath of the Wild and things like that. But this game, with the brutalist architecture, a lot of cement and sharp lines, works really well with the music. And there is always audio cues and stuff going on yeah. all over the place in this game. So when you're walking around, you feel like even if you can't see anything and even if there's no other people around and the architecture is very dark and gray, it still feels like it's alive because there's all of this ambient noise happening the entire time. Um, this game is great. I am really enjoying it. I'm having a wonderful time with it. I think the combat feels really good. Yeah. I'm having a lot of, you know, I'm a, a fan of third person action games and I think this combat is... This is not the kind of combat where I want to get through it so I can get to the next cutscene. I have a lot of fun playing the combat in this game. It is a good time. Um, you know, I there obviously there's some, like the Digital Foundry video and stuff have shown some issues with the game running, especially on base consoles, but then even on PS4 Pro. I haven't really run into any issues. I had one or two moments of slowdown and some absolutely chaotic moments when there's a lot of characters on screen and a lot of things flying around and a ton of particle effects um, because this game you can destroy in some way just about everything and yeah. when you hit a desk <clears throat> all of the papers fly off and there's individual papers flying all over the place there's a lot of effects happening in this game and it makes it a really uh, vibrant um, place to kind of move on around it but also very chaotic my only gripe i have thus far with this game is obviously you have a uh, ability where you can, you know, kind of have telekinesis and throw things. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> I throw things that explode right in front of me <laughs> because the the fights, like you said, get so intense that you pick something up and by the time you realize what it is, you've already thrown it and the person's right in front of yeah. you. And now suddenly it explodes and you take a whole bunch of damage and now you're in a rough spot. But other than that, and that's obviously just my stupidity. That's not the game's fault right. in any way. Um, yeah, but I really enjoy Control. This is easily a contender for Game of the Year for me right now. Um, I just hope, and I, I definitely will, it's going to be challenging to balance playing this with Gears coming out yeah. as well, because I, I'm very excited <clears throat> about that game as well. Um, so I think a lot of it's going to depend on whether you and I decide to play Gears co-op. Um, or whether we go through that alone or kind of how all that's going to work and how I split my time. But yeah, Control, if you're not playing it, definitely recommend it. Uh, it is a good time, interesting story, fun mechanics, great world. Uh, and this is a game that I really would love to see additional chapters in down the line. So yeah, I really actually, I, I forgot to mention, they have like these like um, Dharma initiative like videos that I find They're great. very, very fun to watch as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very cool, very cool. Well, speaking of, I would love to play Gears Co-op with you, um, but speaking of co-op games, that leads us to The Man of Medan, which Kyle and I played over the series of one and a half nights. Yeah. <laughs> uh, streaming. Pretty short, pretty short. Pretty short. Streaming on Mixer. Um, 
that I think that stuff gets archived, so you can watch it if you want. Uh, or I guess if you want, uh, Lucas has proclaimed him and uh, whoever he chooses the <laughs> the correct duo of PSVG right. to stream. So good luck watching a PC version of this not crash. Uh, <laughs> So we played Man of Medan, uh, Dark Pictures Anthology Man of Medan, to be fully uh, titled. It is the, uh, what, spiritual successor to Until Dawn? You know, uh, I don't know. What should we say about this? It is uh, a game. Okay, so here's what 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 I'll say. So if you played Until Dawn, um, it's a... Or even like the Walking Dead Telltale series or other Telltale games. It is a decision-based storytelling game. So you can make the wrong decision or Mm -hmm. the right decision or a decision that makes no effect on the storyline. But when you play co-op, you're making decisions at the same time, but not in the same scenario. So you don't always know what your partner is choosing, uh, which can be exciting. Yeah. I think. Um, but you also um, may not, like, you might not be informed. I don't know if we communicated too much, not enough, or just the right amount. Because uh, how this works is, like, I might be character A at one point, but then Kyle might be character A while I'm character D. So if I don't, like, communicate with Kyle the decisions I made for character A, the decisions he makes for when it's his turn with that character may not uh, sync up with the original decisions. So it's more challenging as a co-op unit, but you also don't want to lose that appeal of this like fun mystery narrative where you want, you don't want to overshare what you've done. So it would be a challenge for control freaks, I guess is what I'm trying to say for someone who only wants to play these games solo. Um, but I feel like the entertainment value is in the co-op. I would agree. I, I This, in almost every way, is a worse version of Until Dawn. This game is not as good as yes. Until Dawn is, to me at least. I thought Until Dawn did a lot of cool things. There was a lot more characters. The story was longer. And they did a lot more with developing these kind of branching profiles where you could pause the game and look at your relationship status with people and kind of see what you had improved or what had you know decreased. This game, it, it indicates, oh, relation status or relationship changed or increased or whatever, but to what? Like, there's no indication as to what that means in the context of within the game. Um, I had a ton of fun playing with you, but I think if I played this game alone, it would be significantly less fun. The controls aren't that great. Yeah. The movement in the game is not super excellent. There was a couple of really good jump scares. But outside of that, I didn't think the game was actually all that scary. Yeah, it definitely wasn't um, scary. So, like I said, a couple jump scares, but that was about it. And there was a couple things with controls that I got a little frustrated with because, for instance, and I'm not going to say exactly what happened, but there was a point where I made a decision. Most of the game's quick time events. That's almost exclusively how you interact with the game. But I had thought I just needed to hit a button. But I actually needed to hit it repeatedly, but the, yeah. the indicator's the same. And I didn't realize that until it was too late, and as a result, a character <laughs> was no longer with us. So I felt like it was my fault. I definitely got the character you killed, killed in that situation. That but I also didn't feel like I had a real chance 
to save them because I thought I did what I was supposed to do, but then I realized I didn't. So it, there's some nits to pick. I would definitely play this again with you or with someone else co-op to see if different decisions were made, ideally to see if we could control the other person or the other segments that were happening. Yeah. Because there's entire segments of the game I have never seen. Yeah. <laughs> just like there's entire segments you have never seen. Um, but that the fun is definitely in the co-op and the fun you have with one another. The story overall wasn't super compelling. The end, it just kind of ends. Yeah, it wasn't really end, ending. It just, yeah, it just kind of ends in your... And we kind of were both like, oh, it's done. I thought there was going to be some sort of yeah. epilogue <laughs> or something. Um, but yeah, I think if you have someone you can play this game with, I think it's affordable. What, 30 bucks, I think? Yeah, 30 So definitely affordable. It looks overall pretty good. Like The characters look good. The, the graphics are pretty solid. Um, just, I definitely think this is a better game of co-op than it would be solo. They still haven't nailed the teeth. They didn't have it in Until Dawn. And it's just, it's so distracting to me. I know it's like, that's definitely a nitpick of all nitpicks, but they really haven't nailed the teeth in these games, whether it's the engine or the designers, but it's very distracting. If I could give them a note, fix the teeth so I'm not so focused on them instead of the dialogue you're saying to me. (laughs) (laughs) They should uh, talk to Capcom because the teeth of Devil May Cry 5, really good teeth. Okay. I'll take your word for it. Because so, the teeth in Street yeah. Fighter Five, not good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, pretty different. They're pretty different animation <laughs> styles there, different art styles there. Okay. So those are the games we've been playing. And with that, it is time to move on to our topic of the show, which is actually a two-part topic of the show. Maybe three-part topic of the show? <laughs> Maybe. Kind of. So topic of the show part one, Josh, we're doing a new show. Nah. I don't have the yeah, time. Yeah, we are. <laughs> Too bad. You already committed. As they say in the in the world of poker, when I used to play, you're pot committed. You have to go all in now. Um, so, yes, we are doing a new show, as you may have heard us joke about in the past. We have talked off about how we get on tangents about things that have nothing to do with games. So, as a thank you to our patrons... Uh, or the PSVG patrons, and as for an opportunity for Josh and I to get that out of our system, Mm. we are going to be doing a monthly Patreon-exclusive show called Bored With Everything. And on it will be Josh and I, along with a guest or two, and there will be no quote-unquote scripted segments. The only thing that will happen is each person who's on the show will have a list of topics that they bring with them. We won't share them ahead of time. And... We'll talk about whatever's on that list as long as it's not related to board games or video games. And that's it. The show will last about an hour. We get through as many topics as we get through. And that is the show. Josh, sir, what are your thoughts? Well, we talked about sake and and Japanese food and packs right. at the beginning of this. So, uh, yeah, it fits right in. In fact, before we started recording, we were talking about something and I interrupted Kyle while he was talking. And I said, we should be recording this. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, this is something that um, Kyle and I are happy to bring you guys more content if you want it. Um, I mean, we're going to do it anyways, but like, hopefully you want it. Uh, and yeah, it's a, uh, believe it or not, I don't know if people know this, but like PSVG is a great, it's this big social experiment. It's this way to we're we're doing these shows to get friends and listeners but we're like learning from each other and talking that's why psvg dlc exists like 
people, we feel like people like us and in our Discord shows that we have people that are in there that aren't in PSVG. Right. Um, and they were interested in us as people and we're interested in them as people. So I think this is only natural for us to to do because, um, you know, we like to share with our listeners what we're doing and, you know, whatever we can do to steal Fluxtaposed thing like let's do it like we should call it uh, uh i don't have a good name right now i'll think of it i'm bored <laughs> bored with jason and lucas <laughs> so and maybe maybe they'll be on an episode who knows who it knows? could happen potentially crossover event but yeah so like i said it's going to be once a month um and it'll be it will be a patreon exclusive uh and that's just kind of trying to give something back and a little bit extra content to our, our folks over on patreon who are uh, being very generous and, and sharing not only their time with us but their money as well so we do want to say thank you to them uh and this seemed like a good way to do that that it will in no way impact what we do with this show um we probably will still randomly talk about a thing at the beginning for a minute or yes. two we will still release weekly we will still nothing will change here uh this is just kind of an added thing that we've been talking about in a way for us to chat about things that um we want to talk about and have conversations about that maybe aren't specifically related to games but we still think are important do you know so, do you know what tier they get that is that even if they do a dollar a month i believe so yeah so i think at that point you're yeah even if you do a dollar a month you'll have access to that and you know what maybe we'll do um maybe we'll do a contest where we give you like 10 months worth of content for for uh our patreon if you as long as you if we give you 10 bucks you you pop it right into patreon and then you get bored with everything you get 10 whole episodes 10 whole episodes so uh look for that the first episode will be this month uh there's no hard date that they will be out by they'll be roughly the middle middle of the month since psvg dlc releases at the end of the month um but just be aware that it will be a there will be necessary yeah if you are used to the way that we present this show Granted, we're a little goofy and we laugh a little bit, um, but it, it is not necessarily meant for all audiences. So just be kind of aware of that. It, it we'll, we'll talk about whatever folks decide they want to talk about. Um, and, you know, some of it might be really great in-depth discussions that is appropriate for families and some might not. So I just want to be upfront about that right away so that people aren't like, oh, this is totally different than your typical show. Um, you'll still have the typical show that, it, that you can get for that. Controversial so. topics likely so <laughs> so anyway so that's one new one topic of the show just that new announced new show announcement um and that's really part of psvg september to remember so look out for a whole bunch of cool updates and announcements from psvg a lot of neat things going on this month with psvg so we're really excited to help support with that uh kind of show topic of the show 1.5 i guess that we, we kind of talked about at the beginning of the show uh, we tweeted back in August that we were going to have Yellow September, which is true. We are going to be talking and focusing a lot on the board game company Yellow as far as our board games go for the rest of the month. So slightly different than our typical topics. Each week we will be covering at least one Yellow board game. Uh, just to be clear, this is not like sponsored content. This is us just deciding we wanted to do this because we like Yellow games and we have a whole bunch of them. So we are doing that. Uh, we did get a couple review copies of some games, so we'll be very clear about that when uh, we are covering those, but we are not being 
This is not an ad or a sponsorship or anything like that. As from Yellow, we just have a lot of Yellow games that we wanted to get through and thought it'd be fun. So even if it's not a review week, we will still be talking about at least one or two. Well, we'll each talk about one Yellow game each episode for the rest of the month. Anything you'd like to add to that, sir? No, I think you nailed it. We did. We Yellow has been nice to us and and provided us with some games to review, which we have been bad to Yellow and not reviewed yet. So. Very this true. seems only fitting to give them the month of September. We get plenty of games to play, and uh, definitely I know a few games people have been asking to hear about, like Bonnie Kingdom uh, as an example, um, and we're very, I believe we're both very fond of the big book of Madness, uh, yep. and we would like to bring your attention to other yellow games as well. So uh, yeah, stay tuned, and... We'll make sure to tweet about it, and if you have any specific Yellow games you're interested in, tweet at us as well. Give Yellow a tag so they know we're giving them some attention this month as well. Indeed. And that's Yellow, I-E-L-L-O. Correct. Not J. You know, not J. All right. So now, full topic of the show, part two. Board of the Video Games started in October of 2017, and we thought it'd be fun to talk about our 10 favorite gaming experiences of the roughly two years since we started this show. So all games released between October 2017 to 2017 and today are eligible. Uh, with board games, this is always a little hard, so there might be a little bit of guesstimating in there. But we're going to take you through our 10 favorite games during Board of the Video Games' first 100 episodes and this is going to be just a smash-together list. Board games, video games, all integrated into one list, all ranked 10 to 1. Might be 5 and 5, might be 6 and 4, might be 7 and 3. I have no idea Josh's list. He has no idea mine. With that, Josh, your number 10 gaming experience. Okay, so this was difficult because I have so many board games. Yeah, you do. You know? And I've enjoyed... Yeah. A whole bunch of them. <laughs> I haven't enjoyed all of them, but um, number 10 isn't a board game, so I don't know why I'm starting with that. <laughs> uh, so my number 10 is Control. Wow. All right. Uh, leaving, I didn't want, I wasn't necessarily going to put it on the list because I think it ultimately could be higher, mm-hmm. um, but I'm only putting it, I'm putting it at 10 now because I haven't completed it. Right. Um. It's been a long time since I felt like I've had this much fun with a game, though. Uh, probably since, like, Horizon Zero Dawn, um, which was in February 2017. Don't think I didn't look that up. <laughs> no, I don't, I have no doubt that you did. <laughs> um, so this, you said it earlier, I didn't want to say it, but, like, yeah, this is definitely a game of the year contender for me. Um, I know we have a lot more games to come out this year, mm-hmm. but... I'm really enjoying this game. Uh, it was not hard to put on this list. It was just a tough decision to keep it on the list. Like, I had it on the list right away. Right. Um, but I think uh, this is a game I'm going to remember for a while. This is a game I'll remember two years from now. So I feel like it's fitting to put it on this list. And I literally went through every video game that came out since now in October of 2017. And as many board games as I could find. Uh, And this fits very comfortably at number 10 for me. Excellent. 
So my number 10, and I, I'll just say it very briefly, Control only didn't make my list because I haven't finished it. So I didn't want to put it on as a result sure. of that. But my number 10 is a board game. Uh, a game that I've talked about, I talked about pretty extensively on this show over multiple episodes because this is a game that I had to play over multiple episodes to completely finish. <laughs> and at the time, I was definitely... Oh, I know this game. Up and down on it. But I think overall, I, I do think this game is a lot of fun and it was a good experience and it's something that is still very memorable to me. And, and if you go look this game up, uh, you will see that as people seem to really enjoy it or kind of really not enjoy it. But I had overall a good experience with it and that is Charterstone. Is that what you were thinking, sir? Nope. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, maybe one, the other one will be the that next might be. one. So, that might be. Uh, but yeah, so Charterstone is my number 10 gaming experience of the of the first 100 episodes of board with video games just a really cool legacy game from stonemeyer games uh and it did a lot of unique things that i hadn't seen in legacy games and i thought for being uh an original ip it integrated the legacy stuff well where it can be challenging to make that happen because you don't know how to play the base game uh the game was streamlined enough and straightforward enough and elegant enough that you were able to pick it up and understand it pretty quickly and as a result that made game two game three game four game five you didn't feel like you were just still learning the game um, which was good so overall charterstone uh pretty solid game and one of my 10 my number 10 gaming experiences the start of board with video games nice your number nine sir number nine is forza horizon 4 uh mm. which could be off that list in like three months maybe um uh, it's still a game i I spent a lot of time with. I didn't spend nearly enough time with. Um, I, you know, I gushed about it for months after it came out. I still think it's great. Revisiting it with the Lego expansion has been a lot of fun. In fact, I still jump in. My son still walks in the living room and says, Lego cars, Lego cars. And I go, <laughs> okay, just for a little bit. Uh, so he still likes to watch those races. In fact, he loves watching Wreckfest. Um so, yeah, Forza Horizon 4 is still, I think, like, a great example of of one of the best racing games and and the power of Xbox and what they can do. Um, so that, that was also really easy to put onto my list. Excellent. All right. So my number nine, interesting that you start with two video games and I'll be starting <laughs> with two board games. Uh, my number nine maybe is the game you were thinking of before started or i shouldn't say started i'm going to continue with the legacy theme and my number nine is pandemic legacy season two. Oh no that's not what i was thinking either oh man we'll have to wait and see if that game's on my <laughs> list at all then uh but the continuation to pandemic legacy season one obviously a huge fan of pandemic in general i also i think legacy games might be if i had to be you know forced to pick probably my favorite style of game i really enjoy how the game uh, changes and evolves while you play it um, and Pandemic really took a different twist and a different perspective on a, on a game series that I really enjoy. I think we talk all the time in video game world about uh, when we have sequels that we want to see something different, something new from those games, and then we complain when it happens. Yeah. But uh, Pandemic Legacy Season 2, I think, did a great job of, of putting something new into that Pandemic formula um, and giving a really unique experience that felt like your decisions and the things you did uh, had some weight consequences behind them. So... That was my number nine experience, uh, Pandemic Legacy Season 2. Josh, your number eight. Number eight is Far Cry 5. 
Man, just video games to galore with you. I'm doing it in order, 10 to 1, right? Yeah, I know. Just okay, well, uh, clearly. <laughs> I got to do the order. That's good. Far Cry 5, eh? Far Cry 5. So, I I recognize that this is not on the top of the list for most people, but it is my first Far Cry experience. Um, and I couldn't have asked for a better one. I didn't experience a tenth of the glitches you did. I had such a great time playing it. Uh, For me, it was a whole new game. Uh, I know that it's a rehash of a lot of the Far Cries for Far Cry aficionados, but for me, um, it was awesome. And I still have fond memories of that game. Uh, Unfortunately, New Dawn didn't do it for me, Mm -hmm. um, which might mean I probably shouldn't play any more Far Cries. Uh, Maybe I'm just done after five. But I did almost everything in that game. I did all the side quests. Um, I loved the crazy over-the-top characters. Um, I realized I'm, I've been saying um a lot this episode, and it's going to drive me nuts when I listen back <laughs> to this. So consider me aware of that now. Uh, and I'm going to be aware of that. So, yeah, it's it was great. I had a really good time with it. Um I need a better vocabulary, a stronger one. We're professionals. It's okay. One hundred episodes. I can't get. I can't not say um. <laughs> I still say like all the time. It's okay. We all have our vocal things. It's cool. <laughs> now I'm afraid to say anything. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So Far Cry Five really it really blew me away, and it's not. A, it's a game that I would love to revisit too, but the like the original version, uh, just the way that New Down was set up change the formula too much for me so i prefer far cry 5 and yeah it was awesome and i'll always had fun fond memories of that i think donnie put that as his number two game of the generation I, you know that's cool i wouldn't yeah no i'm glad you guys enjoy it yeah i would have to put i would have to look at that whole list and think i don't know i don't know if it'd be number two for me but it would it, it would be in top 10 mm. That's great. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Uh, my number, we're on, what, eight? Yes. My number eight, jumping to the world of video games, uh, and actually jumping into the world of virtual reality video games, is Astrobot Rescue Mission, the PSVR exclusive platformer. I just had a lot of fun playing this game, and it was a situation where the entire time I played it, I was grinning like a kid, having a great time have an astrobot walk around do his little cool dance jump move spin <laughs> things it was just fun i it brought back the joy that games had when i was a kid and that the kind of sense of awe and wonder that you got maybe the first time you played a mario brothers or uh, when you games went 3D for the first time, that this game really is a fun, cool, enjoyable look at why at what VR can do to the gaming landscape. So if you own PSVR, it is a definite must-play, I believe. And like I said, obviously, since I'm putting it at number eight, one of my favorite experiences since we started board with video games, that's Astrobot Rescue Mission. Josh, you're number seven, sir. Well, my number seven... Is a game that I didn't think would be on my top 10, not top 10 games of the year or two years, uh, but it's Apex Legends. Mm, uh, interesting. And I would say 
it's September. So four months ago, this probably like would have been like maybe like 20 on the list. Um, Mm -hmm. But I just had this, whatever it was, it was before solos started. I just kind of came back. I started with season two started. So the end of July and you know, I was like, I, I promised I would give them some money to show my support. So I bought that season pass, which really like got me playing the game more. And it was consistently a game I played every day for months, like for two two months now. Um, I'm just taking a moment for myself. Rest in peace, my ums. Uh, and us. So... <laughs> Yeah, Apex Legends. They just uh, they just launched a whole new event, the Voidwalker event, which looks super cool. They even launched like their own like version of like Overwatch shorts, mm-hmm. which is which was great, and it was like this cool animation style. It's been so fun, and I really think what Respawn has done is is something special with this game. I feel like we're gonna see it for for the next generation as well. And they have like a snipers and shotties event now, which is really cool. So it's what up, Halo. It's fun to see them like taking like that like Halo aspect to their game, and and acknowledging that they can add different game modes without being Fortnite and having to change the map up every three months. They can add other events to make it new and exciting, and keep that longevity going. And and um, I think Apex Legends is something special. Very cool. Sniper shotties, or as I called when I played Halo, shotties. <laughs> and only shotties. <laughs> All right. So my number seven is a game actually I, I'm kind of surprised ended up on the list because I really hadn't thought about this game in a while. But then when I was looking at my favorite experiences and remembering what it was like to play this game and how I talked about it, it had to be on my list and that ended up being at number seven. And that's Wolfenstein 2 The New Colossus. I really enjoyed this game, and I know there was a lot of uh, pushback on this game from a difficulty standpoint. I don't, I don't think I'm very good at games in general, and I really <laughs> didn't have that many issues with it. So I don't know if it just felt okay for me, or if I it just worked out well for me, or what the situation was. But I really enjoyed the story in the game. I really like the characters a lot. It does a good job of being over the top and ridiculous about things, but also kind of makes you think a little bit about the world that we live in and what the potential future could look like. Um, and really it starts to tread down some very hard to talk about and think about subject matters. And especially with just even how the game starts, it's it's dark and there's things that you really need to consider. And, and there's one very specific thing that I really did not want to do at the beginning of the game. Uh, so yeah, it's, it definitely left an impression on me and and now in thinking and putting this list together, it makes me want to go back and play it. Um, yeah, really had a great time with Wolfenstein 2, the new Colossus. Josh, you're number six, sir. Well, that would be Spider-Man on the PlayStation 4. We've talked about this game ad nauseum, if you will. Yeah. It's so good. For a comic book fan, for someone who grew up with Spider-Man, they really knocked it out of the park with the storytelling. The controls are incredible. Uh, I I think the special edition. I mean, you can get it for like under twenty bucks now. In fact, probably yep. like even like under ten bucks. I think 
it saw at one point during like maybe Prime Day or something. Um, so it's great. Uh, play this game if you haven't. I'm not going to say anything more about it because there's probably a bunch of more ROMs in there. <laughs> awesome. All right. So my number six, back to the board game world and to something, a topic a little less dark and dreary compared to Wolfenstein, uh, but definitely still quote-unquote dark because the game typically happens at night. Uh, and that's Stuff Fables. Yeah, that's what I thought you uh, would put on your list. <laughs> that's what you're thinking about? Okay, so that is Stuff Fables, the excellent storybook adventure game uh, from the fine folks over at Plaid Hat Games. I really love this game. I think that the storytelling that they do in it is excellent. I love the adventure book game concept where the board is a book that you are constantly flipping through. They just do a lot of really neat mechanics and mechanisms with it. And they're able to tell, like I said, a good story that even for someone who doesn't have kids was engaging and interesting for me to go through. I cared about the characters in the game. Uh, really love Stuff Fables. Easy, easy recommend. One of my favorite gaming experiences, without a doubt, since we started with Bored with Video Games. Josh, you're number five, My sir. number five is Mortal Kombat 11. Hmm. Uh... That's a little different than stuff. It's way different, for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, the best fighting game of this generation, maybe. It's. I understand there's a difference when I say that between like Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat. It's definitely more accessible and or less accessible, depending on which one you're talking about. Obviously, mm-hmm. Street Fighter is you know, better for all audiences. As far as content-wise, Mortal Kombat's definitely adult-centric. Um, right. The only problem I have with Mortal Kombat 11 is they're making me wait until March to get Spawn, which is uh, unacceptable. Uh, but it's perfectly balanced. They're constantly updating the non-perfectly balanced characters, which is normal for fighting games. So maybe I shouldn't use perfectly, because that's implying perfection, and it's obviously not. They have so much depth in the game. It's so much more than the story mode. If you are seeking that, even if you're just looking for a good story mode in a game, it really delivers on a great story. The problem is, like we talked about this, like if you aren't familiar with Mortal Kombat X, you're missing out on, let's say, like 30 to 40% of that story, which can, can be a considerable chunk depending on what part it's taking place in the game. But for me, it's great. Uh, Typically, when I play fighting games, I like to have like a fighting game day or weekend at my house where people come over and we play these games because I really enjoy playing local fighting games. Mm -hmm. Uh, It it makes me miss like my younger days where that's the only way you'd play them. So I do miss that a little bit, but that's not against that's not a slight against. Mortal Kombat, that's just a slight against the time. So uh, Mortal Kombat 11, best fighting game on the market right now, in my opinion. This could never answer my very important question about the I know, game. you'll, you'll never we, No need to rehash that right now. I know, no need to rehash that currently. All right, my number five, staying in the board game world, is a game that I had kind of wanted to play, and Josh kept telling me I needed to play, and telling me I needed to play, <laughs> and I finally played it. And then it's only number five, you know, it's, it's number That's five. Uh, I finally played it and then it would have been higher. But then I, could I say that word anymore? 
a we had a dear friend of the show on and he removed it from his list of the 50 that best changed. games so i don't know how that <laughs> game could be any higher than number five on my list then but that game i'm just kidding william you're great we like you very very much uh that game is century column edition i really like the emerson matsuchi design very elegant very straightforward easy to learn uh but there's a lot of options every time you play the game and the play game plays out a little bit differently every time you play it uh and kind of how you want to approach and the strategies you want to take is pretty pretty deep for how easy this game is to understand and teach to other people so it's really a great game to play with folks who have not played a lot of designer board games or if you're looking at yourself to get into the hobby this is a great place to start the components look great the art is wonderful the rules are one piece of paper well one sheet that is double-sided and that's it uh great great game that i think is regularly going to be hitting the table for a very long time uh century column edition number five for me all right josh what is your number four sir my number four is a board game wow <laughs> it is wingspan so wingspan by stonemeyer games and elizabeth hargrave is a game that i took a chance on via stonemeyer champions which i might take another chance tomorrow mm-hmm. on another Stonemeyer. Oh, that's tomorrow that tape is Not free, only right? is it tomorrow for us, but if you're a champion, it might be a little bit earlier than announced for people who aren't champions. So read your email. Uh, so I took a chance on this game. Uh, it was getting some, some buzz, not nearly a comp. <laughs> I'm going to make up another compensatory to what it should have been. Uh, and I was not disappointed. Not only are the components of this game exemplary, but the gameplay is fantastic. Not only do I love this game, I've played it a bunch. I even played it with PSVG's own Kevin Austin, who I believe enjoyed it. Um, it's just a... We talk about bridging gaps all the time, and... Mm-hmm. If you look if you look at the history of this game, how many non-gamers it turned into gamers is insane. All these True. these bird aficionados, bird watchers, bird collectors, bird I don't know what they call themselves, but these people just they started they saw this board game. They like and Jamie started bringing it to like Audubon societies and having mm-hmm. game nights and just introduced this like I'm in these I'm in the wingspan Facebook page and you keep seeing all these new people to the hobby. It's incredible. And I love that this game is great and it's bringing people into the board game hobby. So like wins all over the place for this game. And you don't have to buy this game, but if you know someone who can let you play this game or play with someone, you should do yourself a favor and and play this game. It's very good. Very cool. Uh, my number four is going back to the video game world, and that is Assassin's Creed Odyssey, mm. uh, a game I haven't finished either, which is a reason I didn't put control on, but I've put a lot of hours into this game at this point, and it kind of, like I said before, is the game I kind of am going to continue going back to regularly. I really like Assassin's Creed. I always have. I know some people thought this, the series got a little stale, which I could totally understand. I, I think that's a, an appropriate piece of feedback for it. Um, and then obviously there was, you know, 
the kind of the rework of, of what Assassin's Creed was going to be in Odyssey was the second game in that series. And I just love everything about it. I like the way the game feels. I like the openness of the world. I like the boat, which I know is very decisive among or divisive among people. Um, but I am just enjoying my time. I, I am playing as Cassandra, and I like her as a character, the way she interacts with people. So this is a game I think that I'm going to be playing for a very, very long time and definitely a, a, a favorite experience I've had since we started. Assassin's Creed Odyssey at number nice. four. Your number three, my Number sir. three is a board game. What? It is Everdell. So Everdell was this grail game, a game I didn't know that I could afford or find um, at the time. Oh my gosh, excuse me. I hope you can edit that part out. Uh, We found it at PAX Unplugged. Luckily, they were the collector's editions available. Uh, It's really killing me that I can't get my hands on Pearl Brook. I thought I had an in and I haven't (laughs) been able to get it. Uh, It's it's the example it's a great example of how a board game can be beautiful and functional at the same time uh the mechanisms are fantastic the way the game plays um they they borrow a lot but they really improve on everything they borrow on it adds a new style to um what's the word i want to use to like people mover to like like not people mover um worker placement because it also adds that city building aspect to it it literally adds a 3d aspect to the board the components are state-of-the-art they're beautiful and they're affordable you're not paying 200 dollars for a monolith game for this you're you know you're paying a lot though it's not cheap but Mm -hmm. i i feel like this is a game that i can say that it's worth the money i spent on it and it's another game that i would easily recommend to anybody uh, whether they're getting into the hobby or have been in it for years, um, just maybe if you're getting into it, I wouldn't recommend you play it first. <laughs> Give try <laughs> there's other games I would re- recommend first, like Stone Age, or um, Lords of Waterdeep. But it's a great game. Excellent. Uh, my number three is a game that has already been talked about and mentioned by Josh, and that is Spider Man. <laughs> I really enjoy Marvel Spider-Man on PlayStation 4. Great job by Insomniac bringing the Web Slinger to the video game realm in a way that was fun. Cool story. Great action. Really enjoyed my time. Uh, And, you know, kind of like Josh said, we've talked about this game a whole bunch. So I'm going to leave it at that. But my number three, definitely Marvel's Spider-Man. Josh, your number two. My number two is the God of War. Ooh, number two. Okay. Yes. Tell me more, sir. You know everything about God of War. It's fantastic. It's a uh, cinematic achievement in video games. <laughs> uh, the story they told was compelling. It really barked up the tree of mythology that I love. Um, mm-hmm. Kratos, they actually fleshed out a character for him. They made you feel for the God of War. It wasn't just about sex and violence anymore. It was about a father and son relationship and violence. And um, it was it was incredible. It's such a great game. And it's a game I will play again probably next year because I, I, I do want to revisit it. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, my number two, another game that has already been talked about, but on the board game side, and that is Everdell. 
Uh, this is easily one of my now favorite games of all time. Uh, and it has one of my favorite components ever. <laughs> so big fan of Everdell. Uh, haven't gotten the Pearlbrook expansion to the table yet, but definitely looking forward to doing that. And kind of like Josh said, this is an instant recommendation from me. Um, you know, if you are have been in the hobby board games for a bit or are looking to dive a little deeper into hobby, hobby board games, uh, this is an easy, heartfelt recommendation for me. Beautiful art, really cool gameplay. Uh, Everdell, I think, is a, a big winner. And that brings us down to, Josh, our number one experiences slash favorite game since we started Board with Video Games. Josh, what is your so number Kyle, one? So, yes. Kyle, I have two number ones. <laughs> Josh, you're, you're a cheater. Well, one of them... I already know. I know for sure what one. Well, of what them is it? Is. No, no, it's not. What? It's not even I your top ten. I put it on my list. Well, then it's going to be Keith. No. <laughs> I don't even know what to do. I don't understand what's happening right now. I don't know what's going on. Okay, <laughs> never mind. Forget it. I don't know anything. When you say them, I'm going to feel so. Dumb. One of tell me one of mine are. is a kind of a cheat, but experiences was on the list, so I put this on here. On my my own list, I wrote "Can I list?" and then I, it, it's the Xbox One X. The Xbox One okay. X launched within uh-huh. our window. Not yes. only is it incredible for experiences, um, it's ten times better than the Xbox One S. It performs <laughs> way better. My 4K movies don't skip. They look crisper, cleaner, sound better. Uh, I use my Xbox for everything, right? This is why it's on the list. I use my PlayStation to play games. I use my Xbox One X for everything else, literally. If it's not a PlayStation game, um, my TV turns on with my Xbox. So this is something I use for YouTube, Apple, uh, so not Apple, uh, Amazon Prime, HBO Now, Hulu, games, everything it's such a great achievement in consoles for me for what i use that i had to kind of cheat put it as my number one it's not like tip it's not like truly my number one but for experience it's up there but my story about related to your xbox one x (laughs) because i have an xbox one x as well and this is going to sound like a slight and i don't mean it that way it is amazing to me how basically every time I log onto my PS4, everyone is playing games. <laughs> but almost every time I log onto my Xbox One X, none of my friends are playing any game. It is HBO, Netflix, YouTube, anything it else. It works better. But almost... It's way easier to so, use on the PlayStation. I mean, I just have always played on PlayStation, <laughs> so like everything is just second yes, nature I for know. me on PlayStation. But yeah, I always find that very interesting that more often than not, when I, other than maybe Nathan playing, <laughs> playing Apex yeah. outside of that. That's fair criticism. And it's like I said, it's not a criticism. That's a I, fair observation. It, <laughs> it is a, it does a good job and it delivers high quality content in multiple yes. ways. So it makes my experience list. My only experience I put on my list. But on, truly, honestly, my number one shouldn't come to a surprise to anybody, uh, and that was already mentioned, and that is Century Gollum Edition is my number one. Uh, it will probably be in my number one for a long time because of how 
easy it is to play and how easy it is to teach and so far how universally loved it is. It's one of those few games where I don't... A lot of times when I introduce people to new games, if it's a game I've played, I have this worry that they're not going to like it as much as I do. I've never uh, had that worry with Century Gollum Edition. Um, and, and I continue to not have that worry. I feel like I can introduce anyone to that game and they would love it. And I don't know that I will ever get tired of playing it, which is why I could have put God of War number one, honestly. Like, it was between the two of them. But I could only play God of War so many times. I could play Gollum Edition so many times. <laughs> so I feel like that that just just barely pushes God of War out of the running for first. Gotcha. And now that you say it, yeah, that's totally obvious. But I think it's because we've talked so much more regularly and consistently about Keyforge and Gloomhaven. Yeah. That for yeah. me, I put them in my head. That's totally reasonable. That. And Gloomhaven could make that list once we get further into Gloomhaven. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Makes sense. Well, that leaves my number one, which I think is probably pretty yeah. obvious at this point. <laughs> yeah. Which is yeah. God of War. Uh, I, I really, really enjoy that game. Um, I also, like you, have, have looked at going back to it and you know, part of the pressure of, of just trying to say it with current stuff as much as we can. I haven't had the opportunity to do that totally yet. Um, but I'm thinking of potentially um, winter break or something like that when it seems like a good time to play it and I have some time off from work. Might just sit down and take a week and just go through God of War again. So my number one best experience since we started the show, uh, kind of easily for me, is God of War. So with that... Uh, Josh, we have kind of a lot of comments from listeners. Would you like to take us through those, good sir? Yeah, I would. Uh, we reached out to people and we asked uh, for questions for the 100. Uh, or uh, their, well, people just <laughs> kind of responded with their top 10. <laughs> no, that's great. I'm glad no, to hear I'm it. I'm happy about it. I just didn't know if we asked for like specifically. Or we're just like, we're going through our top 10. I think you said, what's yours? But we'll start yep. with a uh, friend of the show, William Herkowitz, at, you say it right, how is it, Herkowitz? Nice is word. It? Okay, so at Herkowitz, uh, William says, I want to hear from you guys about how podcasting has changed your relationship with games. Can you appreciate the board game, video game, media the same way when you know you're going to talk about it? Have you become more critical? Is it still as fun? So, Kyle, let's start with... The first question, can you appreciate board game, video game media the same way, knowing you're going to talk about it? Um, I don't know that I say I appreciate it the same way. I definitely appreciate it differently than I used to. Uh, and I am more critical, for sure, when I look at things. Because, excuse me, back in the day, I just used to like liking things. And if something was fun, I played it. Um, and I didn't really think about why I was having fun or, or what the fun was to be had. And if I didn't like something, I just bounced off. It didn't matter to me why I was bouncing off. There was no additional analysis of what bothered me about something so yeah it definitely has made me a more critical consumer of the content um but i do think it's still really fun i luckily for the most part here at board with video games or at psvg in general there's a while that psvg focused a lot on reviews we did a lot of reviews for a while and we actually kind of got a lot of games to review and some of those games weren't super great <laughs> um and we've we have occasionally gotten games still but we don't ask for them very often anymore um, but that was hard when you were playing some of those games that were not good. 
um, or, or definitely has some big deficits and you felt like, well, I got this game for no charge. I, I feel like I have to play through the entire thing in order to give it some good feedback. Um, and for the most part, I did. There's a couple of games that and I always said in the review and I couldn't finish them. But yeah, overall, definitely more critical, but it is still it is still fun for me. How about you, sir? Well, you answered all three. I was going to do one at a time. I know. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. I just kind of, they all just strung together. It's almost like a writer wrote those almost. questions and they just all led from one to the, yes. to the next. It's pretty amazing. All right. So, so can I appreciate the board game video game media the same way? Knowing you're going to talk about it? Yes. I think I appreciate it more because um, I am forced to have an opinion on things I might not consider, uh, like considering for lack of a better word so when kyle writes notes and he puts articles for us to talk about there are not there are things i may have glanced at but not put too much thought into so i think i appreciate it more because we have a better dialogue about it and i think i appreciate it more because of because of you kyle because we can talk about it and it's getting instant feedback i'm not just Mm -hmm. like formulating my own opinion and then wondering what other people think or being challenged on it. Like, that's good. I enjoy that. Have I become more critical? I don't know that I've become more or less critical. I think I've become more aware of people's opinions of my opinions. Uh, so that challenges me to continue to be as critical as I am or was or were because I'm always fighting that urge that I want people to like me. So that's a challenge and it it can be upsetting sometimes um, when people are not happy with like your or my opinion on something or they think their opinion is right and ours is wrong. So that can be frustrating to be like invalidated. And I think that comes with the territory. Is it still as fun? I think Kyle kind of hit that too. You kind of hit that when you're talking about PSVG doing reviews, like, that that part was always like when he asked when William asked about our relationship with games. So there was a long period of time with PSVG that I was not enjoying playing games because mm-hmm. I couldn't play the games I bought because right. I had to play the games I was reviewing. And now right. I, by no means was I reviewing as many games as everybody else. Like I had a kid, my work schedule was weird, so I wasn't available to do as much reviewing as everyone, but I would say my percentage of good games was 3% out of the games I was reviewing, and that's pretty low. So is it still as fun now? Yes. Now it is as fun as it used to be because, you know, Kyle and I aren't under this pressure to review games. We are reviewing games we bought generally, Mm -hmm. and, you know, we... We've had the occasion to get a few review copies. Uh, and, and even William sending me a game. Like, I'm going to make sure I review that. Right. But I also feel like board games are a little bit different than video games. So it's yeah, not the definitely. same. Well, the, it takes way yeah. less time. Uh, so is it still as fun? Yes and no. I have a fa- I have a, a non-answer for that. It is and it <laughs> isn't. But more so yes now than it was before. Uh, and then William follows up. And he says, also, I want to know why Kyle is so cruel. And here's what I have to say, William. Kyle might not see this coming, but the truth hurts, buddy. (laughs) 
and that can be construed as cruel if you will but there's one thing i'll tell you about kyle he is honest and sometimes that hurts but i will i will also say i don't know why kyle's so mean to you because that was different (laughs) so kyle why are you so cruel to william I don't know why I'm so cruel. I really don't. And I do feel a little bad. I was pretty rough on him when he was here. <laughs> and he was so gracious to give us his time. That wasn't very nice of me. I, Yeah, I don't know. I Everyone apologize. Everyone was teasing you, <laughs> was... Kyle. You were not mean to William. But I'm glad that so. he's running with the joke because it's pretty I funny. I am too. <laughs> I, I enjoy a good on-running joke as much as the next person. So I'll work on it. I'll try to figure out. I'll try to get to the bottom of why I'm so cruel. I'm going to visit my parents in a couple of weeks. I'll see what they have to say. See if maybe it was their influence. We'll record, record them. Yeah, record exactly. it on audio. Ask them. Don't even tell them you're going to ask them and then say, hey, why am I so cruel? <laughs> get an honest response. Okay, Paul Calico is up next at pcalico84. He says, Oh boy! So, Fireball Island, Magic Maze, God of War, Spider-Man, Fallout 4, Dose, oh my goodness, Jumanji, the movie or the game, we'll never know, Mario Monopoly, Mario Kart, and Breath of the Wild. He must listen to Nintendo Shack. Because uh, there's two Marios in and Breath of the Wild in there. And then he says, in all caps, congratulations on a hundy. Well, thank you, Paul. We couldn't have done it without listeners list. like Paul. Yes, definitely. That was a good list, Paul. I'm glad you like what you like. That's Not great. only did he put Magic Maze on his list, that was a game that he got from us. So I feel that even better about that. Nice. So thanks, Paul. And thanks, William. But thanks, Paul, Paul's been listening maybe for all 100 episodes. I'm not even sure, but he's been listening for a long time. So thank you very much, Paul, for listening and even being a Patreon. Uh, Speaking of people who have been listening for a long time, uh, we have up next and last, but not least, Schplig at Dopalicious. He says, since the show started, dang, that's actually two separate sentences. Dang, Wingspan. Is Dang a game? Have you played that one? Dang. Wingspan, <laughs> Century Spice Road, Villainous, Seven Wonders Duel, Exit Series, Spider-Man, God of War, Dead Cells, Apex Legends, Slay the Spire. Five out of five, because lunch is over. That's more than five. Uh, <laughs> like... five of, no, five and five. Five, five of each. Five. Okay. <laughs> hey, just like Josh doesn't know what you're doing, because... He's had a whole glass of sake. Congratulations, and here's to a hundred more, he says. No, he replies. Bump off exit. I forgot Meeple Circus. Love that game. Always a barrel of laughs. That's a good pun. They're a, bar- they're a barrel that is of good. game. Uh, Split gets us back. New Azul expansion? Any interest? I still want the base game. Sintra and new one don't seem to vary it up enough gameplay-wise. But I've still bought almost all the Call of Duties, so... <laughs> also, they, uh, this is something. The Century Series did super well. Okay, so to answer to, to address all that, yes, we have a new Azul game announced. It's called Summer... Ooh, Summer something. I forget it. Um, yep. I'm on it while you talk. Summer something. Uh, it does look different uh, enough that I will visit it. I have Sintra. I haven't played it. Uh, 
Uh, but I would agree with that criticism that it doesn't look like it varies too much from the base game, at least for Sintra. Uh, the summer one does look like it varies a great deal from a base Azul, um, but that's just me going off of the look of the game, though. Uh, so who knows what that will entail. Um, yeah, I mean, he says he bought all the Call of Duties. I would agree to an extent they're the same, but at least the campaign's different enough. But the century in, in the Century series, the only thing really they have in common is the name. The games are so different um, that I would say they're vastly different from Sagrada, uh, sorry, Azul and Azul Sintra. Uh, so uh, I think Century varies itself enough that each game can be like seen separately. But I think that there is there is fair criticism with base Azul and Sintra. What do you think about all that nonsense? So I don't know that any of it was nonsense, but <laughs> I still haven't played Azul, and I really need to. That was one of those games when I was making the list of the 10. Ex- I know, right? When I was making a list of my 10 gaming experiences since we started, I was like, man, I still have to play that. There's a lot of stuff I still need to get played. But, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely interested in an Azul expansion. I tried to look it up, and I, I couldn't find it quick. Uh, it's not on Board Game Geek yet. But uh, definitely interested. It's a cool game, and kind of like we've talked about with guests that we've had on the show you know, if there's a little bit of a known property and they know that there's a kind of a built-in audience, they want to try to to mine that if there's things worth mining there. So, yeah, I, I'm interested to see how this plays. The game tends to be very good-looking, um, high-quality production values there. So definitely down for a new Azul. And I must say, Splig, your list is solid because Dead Cells and Slay the yes. Spire almost made my list, um, as did... Uh, nope, those were the two. I was looking at your board games really quick because some of them were on there. But yeah, Dead Cells um, and Slay the Spire were both on my list I'd written and got bumped off right at the end. So, yeah, and for Sentry, uh, I don't know yet, <coughs> oh, yeah. but sometime soonish, the next installment, uh, Eastern yep. Mountains, um, should be delivered to my home soonish, because that was supposed to be end of August, early September. So, someday soon, I'll be Summer Pavilion is what it's called. Thank you, You're Summer welcome. Pavilion. I knew it. So... All right, well, dear listeners, thank you so much for all of your feedback. We greatly appreciate it. And as we bring this episode, episode 100, to an end, we do want to leave you with a recommendation for a well-rounded life, something we're currently into outside of the world of gaming. Josh, what are you going to recommend to our Hey, so dive into Netflix. Check out this show. It's like a reality show. It's called Blown Away. And it's this show about glass blowing. They have a glory hole, which I find giggly every time I watch it. Uh, and they focus on it a lot in the first three episodes. So I found that very interesting. Uh, it's a show my wife wanted to watch. Um, I, I would say going into it, I wasn't like pining to know what glass blowing was like. Um, I appreciate the art. Uh, in fact, there's a glass blowing, um, famous glass blowing place on Cape Cod, right over the Bourne Bridge that we went to on our honeymoon and got some glass but it wasn't an active shop when we went in and we just went in on an off day so we didn't get to experience the full thing but after watching this show it reminds me of if you've ever watched the sci-fi series the one where they do the um like the monster effects like the show's style is very similar to that this was one of those shows where there wasn't particularly uh focused drama which I'm sure there was some uh, 
during the filming, but they didn't, it wasn't one of those reality shows that really focused on it, which kind of like, I, I'm not a big fan of that. It really focused on right. these glass artists, I'll call them, because that's truly what they are. I, be, I believe it started with 10. It could have been more. Each episode, they focused on a different theme or style, and they had to interpret their vision of their blown glass. And it was fascinating. Uh, uh, sometimes it was like edge of your seat, fingernail biting, very dramatic. Sometimes it was funny that there's definitely some personalities. Like these are artists, right? So you're not looking at normal everyday Joes. These are eccentric people. So it's funny to see how some of these people interact with other humans uh, or assistants. <laughs> Um, but this is a super easy uh, recommendation, and uh, and we breezed right through it. It was uh, uh, very enjoyable. So blown away, easy recommendation uh, on Netflix. Do you think, or let me rephrase, the person who they picked as the yeah. winner, did you agree with their pick? Yes, but but I think uh, out of the two, either of them could have easily won. Uh, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think the yeah. winner they picked definitely showed a more, less technical, more artistic vision and glass blowing and and that's what they were looking for yeah i i I agree because i think the person who won maybe had a little more art in them i think the person who got second place was technically a better glass blower but yeah no i think it's just all in what you think of it but yeah that show was that show was awesome uh my recommendation also on netflix and this is going to be maybe a bit of a controversial one and it's a little bit of an interesting one too because I'm not as wholeheartedly recommending it as I usually do documentaries or docu-series, but I think there are tidbits of very interesting information in this one that I think is important. Uh, and that is The Family, which is on Netflix, and it looks like it looks at an organization in Washington, D.C. that has some uh, supposedly some political power, um, and it's a group you've never heard of. So it's kind of a... It, looking at the power that they have, how they came in to have that power, examples of, of the influence that they have. Um, and yeah, that's all I'm going to say about it. There are parts of it that are very good. There are a couple parts of it that maybe drag a little bit or maybe a little bit of stretches. Um, so I'm not saying, you know, whole cloth, everything in here is obviously 100% legitimate, um, but there are definitely some things that make you go, hmm, when you watch it. So I think it's worth the watch. It's only, if, I think, four or five episodes Uh, And that is The Family on Netflix. Josh, what do you say we wrap this show up? Wow, wrapping up 100. Crazy. Let's do it. Okay. Thank you for joining us, everyone. In addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at Board with Fiji, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Board with Fiji. So feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. Not a one-star rating. I want to make that very clear. (laughs) One star is bad. Five star, good. Also, if you want to communicate in the more long form or you're not feeling social media, please feel free to send us an email. I just realized we got an email at boardofvg at gmail.com. Also, uh, we tag our stuff with boardofvg, uh, sorry, hashtag boardofvg. Uh, so please use that hashtag as well on the social medias. Whatever podcast service you are listening to us on, we encourage you to give us a five-star stellar rating. That is whether you're downloading us from the PSVG feed, the Dice Tower network feed, or the standalone, our very own standalone, 
bored with video games feed. Instead of my plugs, I'm gonna read you an email that we got from our listener, Paul Calico himself. Oh, excellent. He says, Hey, which sounds better to y'all, Deathsboro Games or Hasbro, Has, Hasbro Records? Thoughts and feelings. What was your first <laughs> thought when you heard the news that Hasbro bought Death Row Records? So, Kyle, what do you think? We got, we got a second. Paul's not going to expect us to answer this at this point. <laughs> How long will it take for Snoop to have his own Monopoly board, he asks. <laughs> you know, this is one of those really interesting ones. I, I think I was going to have us dive into a little more next week when we cover well, Let's news. do it. But, Paul, wait till yeah, next so week. We'll, we'll cover, yeah, we'll cover it more next week because I do think this is a very... Uh, interesting little thing, but that is an excellent, excellent question, so thanks so much for that. Cool. Alright, you can find me at all the usual tw- places, Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek, all at Psychocross, C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. As always, if you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media or via email like just happened, because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. And remember everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming. Thank you.